Hello and welcome to Kingdom Hero Audio Blogs. I'm Stace Massingill, and this blog is titled The Truth About Abortion. You will find that I am quite passionate about this topic, and I've definitely done my homework. In fact, the more actual research I do on abortion, the different types and various stages of development at which it is done, the more appalled I am by it. Much of what I'm going to cover is difficult to talk about, and it can be upsetting to hear, but I believe it is necessary to shine a light into this dark place and expose the ugly truth. Honestly, if more people would seek real knowledge for themselves, more minds would be changed. Unfortunately, a great many people seem to be intellectually lazy. This is why it is up to us who know the truth to share the truth. Today, information is readily available and easily accessible to anyone who has an inclination to seek it out. So if you have any doubts about the information I'm going to share with you here, I invite you to look it up for yourself. It's all right there on the internet. One Twitter user who challenged me recently on this topic demanded I give my sources. That would seem to be a reasonable request, except for one thing. You can literally Google the topic or use whatever search engine you want and quickly find all the relevant information you ever could uh, could ever need. I have no need to make note of specific websites or articles or URLs when absolutely anyone can easily find it without that. If you're too lazy to look it up and verify it for yourself, then you're likely a person who's unwilling to believe the truth, even when it is staring you in the face. However, although I may not list every single source, I will, for the sake of being forthcoming, tell you that some of my research came from the following, among others. www.nhs.uk slash conditions slash abortion slash what hyphen happens www.webmd.com slash women slash abortion hyphen procedures www.worldometers.info slash abortions etc etc first let's look at definitions let's define the word abortion probably the simplest and most blunt meaning is to terminate a pregnancy as innocuous as that definition may sound, soft terms such as these are often used to hide the brutality of the practice itself. But one can also literally translate this into ending the development of a fetus. Let's not split hairs or mince words, though. That means to end a human life in its early stages of development. In other words, killing the unborn child. They like to use the term fetus rather than baby or child so that they can claim it isn't an actual human life yet. But this claim is fallacious. The word fetus comes from the Latin fetus, which literally means child or small one. Here's a definition of fetus as well. An unborn offspring of a mammal, in particular an unborn human baby, more than eight weeks after conception. Synonyms, embryo, fertilized egg, unborn baby, unborn child. And it obviously is a human rather than a dog or a cat or a horse or anything else. It's also alive. Otherwise, it would not be developing and growing. Now, you've heard this term, non-viable clump of cells. Well, another popular claim of pro-abortionists is that the developing fetus is just a clump of cells. We were all once 
a tiny clump of cells, but growing and developing just the same. We are still human life forms, despite how small. Indeed, we were a small group of human cells containing DNA that stored all the biological information that would determine who we would become. And if you look at these earliest phases of human existence, you will see how quickly discernible features like eyes, arms, and legs form. Within six weeks, there's even a detectable heartbeat. Then they say, yeah, but it's not viable yet. Well, I think maybe these people should look up the definition of the word viable, but I know what they mean is it can't survive outside the womb. Every time I hear this statement, I want to ask, and they seem to think that it's this is some kind of, well, disqualifier. If it can't survive outside the mother, then it's not yet a viable human life. Really? Well, let's examine that logic for a moment. If we take you outside of the Earth's protective atmosphere and toss you into space, you can't survive either. Does that make you any less human? It's the same argument. The mother's body is what nourishes and sustains the preborn life. That is the natural design and function of things. Just like the planet's atmosphere provides you with certain protection, the womb does that for the baby. Furthermore, the unborn child is an example of human life in its most vulnerable state. This is when we have the most responsibility to care for it. Ah, but ignoring the responsibility... Well, ignoring responsibility is what this is really about, right? Around 99.5% of all abortions are done purely out of convenience. According to ProLifeAction.org, hey, there's another source for you, less than 0.5% of abortions, that's less than a half of a percent of abortions, are described as quote-unquote hard cases. Now, here's the breakdown on that. The three most frequently cited hard cases in which some argue abortion might be justified are rape, incest, and protecting the life of the mother. However, women rarely report that they are seeking an abortion for any of these reasons. Here's the breakdown on the numbers. Rape accounts for 0.3%. Incest accounts for 0.03%. That's three hundredths of a percent. Protection of the mother's life accounts for 0.1%. I would argue that there are, well, the rare case of the mother's life being at risk is the only occasion when a very hard choice must be made. In that instance, I can't tell you whose life is more important, but this situation is the rare exception, so it can't be used to justify all other abortions that happen just because people don't want to accept responsibility for their own voluntary actions. Oh, but what about rape and incest? Well, first, at 0.03%, incest is even more rare. But I will at least stipulate that it is a problem. Rape is even more so. It's a horrible crime, and the perpetrators should be punished but execute the unborn child isn't isn't that extreme it isn't the baby's fault why compound an already heinous act with yet another one by murdering the child 
Now, keep in mind that these cases are not why most people get an abortion. The vast majority are those who made a conscious decision, a choice, to engage in consensual and unprotected sex. They chose to do the very thing that resulted in a pregnancy. Throwing caution to the wind, they acted irresponsibly. And that unwillingness to accept the consequences carried over in the decision to abort, end, kill the innocent, not yet born baby. Now let's look at the types of abortions and what happens. Here's what the medical community says. There are two main types of abortion. First, medical abortion or the abortion pill, taking medication to end the pregnancy. Second is surgical abortion, a minor procedure to remove the pregnancy. Medical and surgical abortions can generally only be carried out up to 24 weeks of pregnancy, but in an exceptional circumstances, an abortion can take place after 24 weeks, for example, if there's a risk to the life or uh, a risk to life or there are problems with the baby's development. Now, again, that's from the medical community's uh, medical uh, website there. Again, you may notice the soft terminology being used to downplay the cruel nature of these quote-unquote minor procedures. Again, here are their words on medical abortion. A medical abortion involves taking medication to end the pregnancy. It doesn't require surgery or an anesthetic and, can use, and it can be used at any stage of pregnancy. It involves the following steps. You first take a medicine called mifepristone, or mifepristone, excuse me. This stops the hormone that allows the pregnancy to continue working. Again, their words. You'll be able to go home afterwards and continue your normal activities. Wow. Usually 24 to 48 hours later, you have another appointment where you take a second med medication called misoprostol. Uh, wow. Medical terms. Anyway, this will either be a tablet that you may swallow, let dissolve under your tongue, or between your cheek and gum, hmm. or put inside your vagina. Within four to six hours, the lining of the womb breaks down, causing bleeding and loss of the pregnancy. You may have to stay at the clinic while this happens, or you may be able to go home. Again, I'm reading their words. If a medical abortion is carried out after nine weeks, you may need more doses of misoprostol, and you're more likely to need to stay in the clinic or hospital. Occasionally, the pregnancy doesn't pass, and a small operation is needed to remove it. It's worth noting that the first medication that stops the pregnancy from working actually halts the development of the unborn child. If that isn't enough to kill it, the next step seals the deal by enabling and inducing miscarriage. And when they say remove the pregnancy, that translates as destroy the baby. Never forget that we're talking about the innocent life of a child. 
Going back to the medical website, here's what they say about surgical abortion. Surgical abortion involves having a procedure with local anesthetic where the area is numbed, conscious sedation where you're relaxed but awake, or general anesthetic where you're asleep. There are two methods. Are you ready for this? Vacuum or suction aspiration is the first method. Uh, the site says it can be used up to 15 weeks of pregnancy. It involves inserting a tube through the entrance to the womb, the cervix, and into your womb. The pregnancy is then removed. The pregnancy is then removed, notice the terminology, using suction. Your cervix will be gently widened or dilated first. A tablet may be placed inside your vagina or taken by mouth a few hours beforehand to soften your cervix and make it easier to open. Pain relief is usually given using medicines that you take by mouth and a local anesthetic, which is numbing medicine injected into the cervix. You may also be offered some sedation, which is given by injection. A general anesthetic isn't usually needed. Vacuum aspiration takes about 5 to 10 minutes, and most women go home a few hours later. That's from the medical website. Okay, put simply, this is literally sucking the tiny and very much alive fetus out bit by bit. Witnesses who once worked for Planned Parenthood described seeing the little hands, legs, and even faces of the unborn being sucked through the surgical tube. This is not only disgusting, it's downright disturbing. But let's move on to the next method. Back to the medical website. Dilation and evacuation, or as it's referred to, D&E. This is used from around 15 weeks of pregnancy. It involves inserting special instruments called forceps through the cervix and into the womb to remove the pregnancy. The cervix is gently dilated for several hours or up to a day before the surgery to allow the forceps to be inserted. DNA is carried out with conscious sedation or general anesthetic. It normally takes about 10 to 20 minutes and you may be able to go home the same day. Now this explanation again uses rather vague and innocuous or harmless sounding words but it also purposefully omits the gory details of the barbaric DNA procedure. Using forceps to remove the pregnancy translates to this. The forceps, by the way, are a long, thin, plier-like tool. Now, the surgeon uses this tool to reach in and randomly grab whatever he can get hold of, might be an arm or a leg, whatever, and pull it out. Piece by piece, the unborn child's body parts are torturously ripped away. Finally, the tiny head is grabbed and crushed so that it can be removed. Is that graphic enough for you? There are a few other kinds of abortion. Installation abortion is a rarely used method of late-term abortion performed by injecting a solution into the uterus. Now in this method, saline is injected into the uterus. What that does to the mostly developed child is horrific. It burns the baby's sensitive and still porous skin like an acid eating away at flesh. 
this means of killing the unwanted child sometimes doesn't work, but instead causes debilitation and has resulted in the birth of babies with cerebral palsy. Thankfully, certain kinds of late-term abortion have been banned for a while now, such as partial birth abortion, which is a late-term abortion of a fetus that either has already died or is killed before being completely removed from the mother. This unthinkable procedure involved pulling a fully developed and usually still alive baby from the mother feet first, all but the head. Then surgical scissors were jammed into the back of the neck at the base of the cerebellum. Naturally, the baby would squirm and writhe in pain. Using the instrument to pry open the wound, a tube was inserted to suction out the brain matter. Once the dead body of the child went limp and the soft skull collapsed, it would be fully removed. Partial birth abortions may be banned now, but every method is a horrible act and an incredible justice. The travesty of abortion has been accepted in our society for many decades, and it surely breaks the heart of God as it should break all of our hearts. Now let's look at the number of abortions per year. According to WHO, every year in the world, there are an estimated 40 to 50 million abortions. This corresponds to approximately 125,000 abortions per day. That's from www.worldometers.info slash abortions. Do the math, and that's over 5,200 abortions every hour. Nearly 87 per minute, or almost one and a half aborted babies every second. These stats alone make abortion by far the number one killer of human beings, and we excuse it? Worse yet, we encourage it. I have to admit, when I saw these numbers for the first time and did the calculations myself, it was quite overwhelming to think about. It was all I could do not to burst into tears at the realization that so many innocent little lives were constantly being snuffed out every day, every hour, every minute, every single second. This irrefutable truth should be appalling to everyone. So what's the bottom line? Well. I could talk to you about how the Roe v. Wade court case was ultimately based on a lie. Yes, this infamous case was built on the premise that the plaintiff was raped, a claim she later admitted wasn't true. Though she recanted and even had a complete change of heart later in life, the court ruling had already become the foundation for abortion quote-unquote rights in America. All this due to a lie. Or I could address the well, such self-serving and asinine arguments as, my body, my choice. In actuality, that growing child inside of you is not your body. It is indeed a separate body, which possesses the same right to life that you do. Then there's the bogus idea that men's opinions on the issue don't matter. Well, being a man does not qualify me. But it instead mandates that I ought to be willing to recognize and fight for the rights of the unborn. It's my duty, in fact. At the same time, being a woman doesn't give you the right to kill your unborn child just because you may not want it. 
And I could remind you how that Margaret Sanger was an awful racist who founded Planned Parenthood as a means to exterminate black people. It's historical fact. The sad truth is that even to this day, Planned Parenthood aborts or kills more black babies than any other ethnic group. Look it up. Still, some others scream, if you, ha if you take away access to safe clinical abortions, people will seek out unsafe back-alley abortions where the woman can end up bleeding to death. Well, first of all, there's no such thing as a safe abortion. The end result is almost always the death of a child unless it is a botched abortion attempt. And this argument is literally saying if you don't let people kill their babies in a clinic, they'll just do it at home. Um, not as likely as you think. And murder is murder, no matter where it's done. While I could debate the various aspects and excuses people offer up to defend abortion, I believe those things are rather irrelevant in light of all the facts I've just laid out. My purpose is to instead defend the unborn and to give voice to those who cannot speak for themselves, and I am not alone. People of this nation have begun to rise up, and laws are being passed that protect those most precious and innocent lives. Help spread the truth about abortion. Let us no longer be the silent majority. I'm Stace Massengill, and I'm just saying. Thanks for listening. Check out more of my blogs at kingdomheroblogs.wordpress.com and please share them with others. Until next time, God bless you.